there's this concept of the zero-sum game in which one party gives and the other party takes, and the end result is a net zero. But what about when it doesn't add up to zero? What about it when it comes out to less than zero? Welcome everyone to the ROSC podcast, episode 12, the non-zero-sum game. Now the insights I want you to take away from this episode are... Pay attention to the next time you feel a resistance towards being the leader because you give without anything in return, and remind yourself that the goal is to perform an act, not to get something in that moment. And with that in mind, remind yourself at that point that this is a road that's not yet paved, and that you and your fellow leaders in this community are paving that path together. By doing this, you will start to flood the field with a culture that we're trying to create. Before we get into the episode, I do want to give you a quick reminder of our weekly newsletter at www.rosk.life. That's R-O-S-C dot life. If you go to the website, this is where you'll find all of the blog posts that go along with these podcasts, and you'll be able to join the conversation and sign up for our weekly newsletters that I write and curate by hand that are going to give you a couple of benefits. Number one, they're going to give you the insights that you can actually put into action in that moment. So if you don't have a chance to listen to the podcast or read the blog post, or if any of it goes over your head with all of the philosophical stuff, at the very least, you have actionable things that you can put into practice and start to implement and see the changes that you and I are actually trying to create in this culture. The other benefit you're going to have is you're going to be the first to know and be involved with any future projects we have, of which there are currently two. One, which is up and coming, is our beta for our cardiac arrest management app. This could potentially change the way we not only run cardiac arrests, but the way we capture and document our cardiac arrests, which will hopefully lead to better teamwork and ultimately better patient care and outcomes. The beta for this is going to be released within the next few months, and those of you who are on the list will be part of the testing process and you'll have the chance to be able to give your feedback and potentially have your feedback be used and be considered one of our founding members of this app. The other project that we're working on, which is coming a little further down the pipeline, is our e-learning platform. And now what we intend to do with this is create not only an educational platform that you will have lifetime access to when you're a member, but hopefully be able to interact with the instructors and in the subjects that you feel comfortable with, and with our help, be an instructor for some of the content yourself. The benefit of this being not only flexing your educator muscles and your leader muscles, but also being rewarded and compensated for the work that you do. Another thing that I think we are long overdue for in the healthcare community. Stick around with us, help us out with your feedback, let us know that you're cheering us on, and we will come back and bring the benefit to you tenfold. So head to the website, www.rosc.life, www.rosc.life, sign up for the newsletter, stay informed, be part of our founding members. Now on to the podcast. So in this community, we talk a lot about the concept of doing generous work. And to different people, that means different things. The concept of playing the long game, carving out the long path, and understanding that not only is this somewhat uncharted territory, but it's also a thankless path in that carving out this path requires bringing something to the people that they've been looking to have, but are very uncomfortable with because it's not familiar. It's not what they're used to, and it's an uphill battle for everybody. What we're trying to do in this situation, you and me, is show people that the uphill is achievable. 
and that they won't be doing it alone. The unfortunate and the fortunate thing is sometimes these things need to start out with loners who are going to do it with no one else's support. The fortunate thing is us being here together, we are now automatically in support of each other. And that's what the benefit is of being here. But all of that is to say that we're all human beings and sometimes we get into situations where we don't necessarily have the fortitude or we've maybe used up whatever fortitude we have and we're hitting a wall and that's normal. Especially in the fact that we work in a field where to get to where we needed to go, we gave so much of ourselves, our time, our energy, our we've sacrificed free time, we've sacrificed money, we've sacrificed our joys and happiness in some situations, sometimes sleep, all these different things. We've sacrificed so much to be in a situation where now we're expected to give even more. We are given rules and regulations, which are understandable, but then we're also held to such a high standard. We're obligated to have that moral high ground. And while we agree with it, it sometimes feels like there's just take and take and take and there's no giving. What's even more difficult with that is when we give and give and give and that's met with why didn't you give more? That's not enough or condescension or insulting or someone else's defensive behavior or whatever it might be. These situations that make us all fall into this mode of self-preservation. And that's why I mentioned this concept of the zero-sum game, this idea that in the world of finances, in the world of business, there's an exchange of money or whatever it might be, and it's all a zero-sum game, that one person's taking and the other person's losing, and it's all just changing hands. There's actually no abundance or building of wealth or building of anything. It's just, it all comes out to zero. In this case, it almost feels like it's a non-zero-sum game in the sense that you're giving and things are being taken and you're being depleted. It's going into the negatives. That's one way to look at the non-zero-sum game. When we examine this a little bit further with the understanding of the definition of optimism, and when we look at this with the end goal in mind, when actually when we have empathy for our own selves and what we're trying to achieve, constantly affirming it to ourselves every morning when we wake up or every time we step into work, remembering what the end goal is, it allows you to create a checklist for yourself that's even simpler than what it might already be. And that simple checklist consists of you giving what it is you seek to give, you providing the leadership that you seek to have around you. The reason why it's important to make a mental or even a physical checklist for this is the brain loves checklists. The brain loves to accomplish things. That feeling of checking off a box is, is a dopamine treasure chest. And what this actually does Yes, you get the dopamine high from checking off the box, whether it's mentally or physically. But the other thing that it does is it builds self-credibility. You look back and you ask yourself, did I set a goal for myself? Yes. Did I accomplish that goal? This check mark is evidence that yes, I did. That builds self-credibility so that the next time you have to do it, it's going to be easier. And the next time that you have to do it and it's a little bit harder, you have that much more fuel in the tank to be able to do it. And now you've done it again and again and again, and it just becomes the curve just smooths out. And then you'll face another challenge and it'll be equally or more difficult than it was when you first started out. The difference is you have built up a case of evidence for yourself that, hey, you are able to do it. All you needed to do is create that checklist. Now, this isn't necessarily just about the checklist, but what it is about is understanding that if you set your goal to be that you're going to enact this because you know and you have full conviction that enacting that one thing 
is one chip on the brick of marble towards that sculpture. That is one more brick on that unpaved path towards the leadership and the teamwork and the culture that you wish to cultivate. It's all leading towards that. Once you've convinced yourself of that, and once you understand the truth behind that, it becomes easier. You gain more and more momentum. While it will never be coasting, it'll always be an uphill battle, you're going to continue to gain momentum to be able to go towards that goal. Now, one other thing that's really important to discuss at this point is the understanding of what it is to give. And this is a moment where you have to sit quietly with yourself, get real quiet, and discuss with yourself what it is you're actually seeking when you give. And here's where it's really important to make the distinction between giving and transacting. Let me give you a real-world example that I know every single person listening has felt before. You feel generous and you feel like giving, whether it is a positive attitude, whether it is taking the higher ground or having the upper hand, whether it is physically being financially generous and giving to someone, whatever it might be. And then down the line, you get nothing in return. Not only do you get nothing in return, but it's as if that person is doing the opposite of what you've done for them. And you feel slighted and you feel cheated and you feel like that's not fair. And to most people, it might seem not fair. And then that leads you to not do that thing again. It leads you to say, well, I'm not going to be giving because every time I give, I just get taken advantage of. Every time I give, nothing gets given in return. That, by definition, is not giving. You're not being a giver. In this situation, you're, you're completing a transaction. You're giving with the anticipation that at some point, you're going to be given back. This is an investment. And when your investment does not return, you're disappointed. And you don't make that investment again. This is not a blameworthy situation in which you need to evaluate yourself and ask yourself whether or not you're actually giving. It's just a matter of fact. There isn't necessarily anything wrong with being transactional in some scenarios, especially when the transaction is nothing but good. But what it is important to do is understand that there is a time and a place for that. And on this path, that may not necessarily be the thing that you should seek out. In fact, that'll be the thing that destroys the self-credibility. It destroys the momentum. Because ultimately... Even if the other person is at fault for a certain situation, even if the other person is the reason why things fell apart or why things devolved into a fight or an argument or a confrontation, whatever, there is a way to juxtapose accepting someone's fault or accepting that someone contributed to a problem and also isolating the blame to yourself. What does it mean to isolate the blame to yourself? We've talked about this before. Not pointing the finger and beating yourself up, but... Turning to yourself and saying, here are the things that I did to contribute to that. And if I changed these actions, the outcome would have been different. That's ultimately the only thing that matters in any scenario because it's the only thing you have control over. I'm saying all of this to say in a situation that is transactional, you're setting yourself up for a potential disappointment. And that sounds a bit negative to say, but in the scenario where you are performing a task like changing a paradigm, eroding away the previous culture, or introducing a new culture when the status quo is so alive and well, you may potentially be setting yourself up for a short-term run. However, if you build yourself credibility on performing the action, doing the generous work, simply making the checkbox, did I or did I not execute on this action? The only thing that can cause you to 
feel discouraged or take away from your momentum is if you do not perform the action. And that is 100% in your control. And this is what it's all about, regaining that agency, regaining that control. Being able to check off the box is fully in your hands. And this is where it becomes easier or less difficult to perform that generous work, to go down that thankless path and to pave the road. Because the only person who can put that next brick down is you. The other beautiful thing about how your mind works, and we've talked about your mind constantly eavesdropping on the words you say, the beautiful thing is, because your brain can't decipher between a real event and a fictional event, when you check that box off, no matter what the reaction is from the other person, you get to deposit in your brain an emotional response to checking off that box. So in that moment, if you choose to celebrate that, even exaggerating your mind, you might feel silly doing it. But if you establish that emotional response to that action, the next time you come across that action, the next time you check the box, your brain's going to be like, I remember this feeling. This, was a, this is an important one. I remember all the energy that I deposited into that action. And it's going to happen again. You're going you're gonna to create momentum towards celebrating and getting a high from that action. The same way you can negatively reinforce in yourself a bad situation and dwell on it and exaggerate it out loud, which a lot of people do, that makes the next time it happens, no matter how little it is, just devastating and the end of the world. It's up to you to break that cycle because your mind's constantly eavesdropping and because you get to control your self-credibility, you now have a recipe for building up your momentum, building up your resolve to be able to do it again, to be able to continue down the path, even if you're alone. And of course, as I will always reiterate, the benefit is you're not alone. You're here with us. We're all doing this together. And ultimately, the thing to remember with all of this is that as corny as it sounds, you're on the hero's journey. You're not here just because you're just any other worker. You're here because something is resonating with you. Something here is familiar. Something here is giving you the impetus to take that that leader, that core inside of you that may have collected dust because it was alone and had seemingly no place. And you're now thinking, hey, what was that thing I packed away in the attic? I think I could use that. And you reach in, you dust it off, and you realize this is exactly what you needed the whole time. That, that core is what you needed the whole time. Now you have a place to display it. Now you have that cabinet where you can actually show it off here with us so that we can together get it out there and start creating an alternative pathway. The funny thing is that going back to the title of this podcast, it's a non-zero-sum game. The fact that there's an exchange happening that doesn't add up to zero. But in this case, it adds up to more than zero. And now on to this week's question. This week's question revolves around some of the things that we've been touching on in our social media posts as well as in the podcasts. And that is, you've been talking a lot about how to raise up the quote-unquote weaker part of someone else. But how do you deal with a situation when you're up against a quote-unquote aggressor? How do you manage that situation? It was actually quite serendipitous that this question popped up because I think today's topic has something to do with that. But allow me to tie those two together. I think dealing with an aggressor is not about bringing that person along the journey, right? You're not necessarily trying to bring, you're not, you're not trying to sell everyone on this idea. All you're trying to do is 
present something and allowing the people who resonate with it to come towards it, to create the alternative. That's why I don't talk a lot about replacing the culture. I talk about providing an alternative because it might very well be that that other culture will always exist. Now, with regards to how to deal with the aggressor, when you remember that you're not trying to necessarily deal with it in a way to change them or to raise them up, this is a this is a situation in which you are sort of going into a type of self-preservation mode. This is a situation in which you're using the leadership tactics and the generosity tactics and the other tactics of being a growth mindset, of being a learner, and using it to preserve yourself, to keep yourself on the path. In this situation, what you want to do is deal with the aggression in a way that allows you to receive it, evaluate it, and take from it what can benefit you. And then in return, just deal with the situation in a way that allows for empathy to take place. How does empathy work when you're dealing with an aggressor? Well, there's one of two reasons why the aggressor exists. One, because of an ego issue, and two, because of something they're trying to accomplish. The question then becomes, how can you understand what they're trying to accomplish and how can you arrive to a common ground that allows them to accomplish their goal and allows you to reach a point where your goal is also accomplished? That's empathy. That's what leads to compassion down the road. The difference between empathy and compassion is compassion is an emotional response. Empathy is a mental process. It's an understanding. It's choosing to look at that person's situation, understand where they're coming from, understand what goal they're trying to achieve, and figuring out how to come side by side and go towards that goal next to each other. I'm not saying like skipping down the yellow brick road together. I'm saying navigating your code of ethics to get them to where they need to go so that they're ultimately satisfied in a way that's, you know, beneficial for both people and obviously in something that's good if it's something that's leading towards something wrong or bad obviously that's not what you want to do but even then empathy comes in and it requires understanding the perspective and the end goal of that person and figuring out how to get to a common ground now i don't have all the answers to this and i fail at this probably more than most people are listening to this most of what i all of what i do actually in this community is all written for myself First, it's actually just a diary and you guys are all getting to join in with me. If you were to ask me this in another year or five years, I might have a better answer or a different answer. Or if you were to ask an actual expert, they might have a better or different answer. But based on what I can think of at the moment of hearing the question and based off of my own experience and what we're trying to, to deal with in ourselves here, I would say that that's probably the best situation. At the very least, if you keep the growth mindset, and if you keep this idea that someone could be throwing rocks at you, and you could be putting up a shield trying to defend yourself. This is actually a post that I wrote for a future date. A shout out to Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory for uh, giving this analogy. Someone could be throwing these rocks at you, you put your shield up to defend yourself. But if you knew that those rocks were actually nuggets of gold, if you allowed them to hit you, you then have a chance to bend down and pick them up and evaluate them and potentially put the gold in your pocket. The least you could do is do that in that situation. Evaluate what's coming at you and asking yourself, one, is there something that I did to contribute to this situation? And that's not playing the victim. That is evaluating the situation and seeing whether or not you can approach that scenario differently next time. Because there's almost always something you can do to change the course of that action the next time. 
That's the first thing. And the second thing is looking into what's being said and what's being done and looking into your contribution to the situation and learning from it, but really learning from it, evaluating it and saying, this is something I didn't do correctly. This is something I didn't do as well as I could have. The next time it's going to be better. And if you build your ego on that, then it is impossible for anyone to tear your ego down unless and until they prove to you that you went into a situation and could have learned something but didn't. The funny thing is, and the ironic thing is, doing that, evaluating something like that, is actually still the growth mindset. So it is what Nassim Taleb calls anti-fragile. It makes it impossible for someone to destroy your ego when your ego is built on you taking the situation, learning from it, and then adapting. Because if your ego is built on you being competent or intelligent or perfect or uh, successful, then when you reach a point where one of those things is not true, your ego is now bruised. But the only thing you can do to build that ego back up is to change the action to then become more intelligent, more capable, more successful. You see where I'm going. As always, send your feedback, your questions to podcast at rosk.life. That's podcast at rosc.life. And like I said in the beginning, sign up for the newsletter at www.rosc.life. That's www.rosc.life. Stay up to date. Stay part of the conversation. Stay part of the community and watch this community grow and help it grow. I think we're going to do some pretty amazing things in the coming future. And I want you to be part of it. We'll see you next time.